So in this podcast, we're going to do something just a hair different than what we typically do each week. Most of the time, if you're a regular listener of the podcast, we're going to talk about some simple things that you can do to improve your presentations. What we're going to talk about this week is kind of the opposite. It's what are some of the poor things that, or the habits that speakers have or that speakers create that turn off audiences. We saw we call these the 10 deadly sins of speakers. So if you're doing any of these 10 things, it can give you, you can use this as a checklist to kind of check up on yourself to see how well you're doing. And if any of these things are kind of habits that you're doing, then it might be an, a show an area of improvement anyway. So the way that I typically do this when I'm teaching this in class is I'll, instead of starting with the, the most egregious one, I kind of start with the with the least offensive one and kind of work my way up just like a David Letterman top 10. And that's what I'll do here as well. So the 10th most egregious thing or the 10th worst thing that you can do to turn off an audience is to go overtime without consent. So let's say you've got a 10 minute speech and you go 12 minutes, or somebody gives you 30 minutes to speak and you go 35 minutes, or if you go, uh, somebody gives you an hour to speak and you go an hour and one minute, it doesn't really matter what that time period is over the allotted time. We always say that the, the moment, the minute, for every single minute, that you go over your allotted time, you're gonna decrease the satisfaction from your audience exponentially. So you're more likely to get people to to uh, kind of be upset with you. I mean, a good example of this is, um, let's say you're, <laughs> is like church, you know, most people, you know, they go to church and we like to go to church, but hey, if church is supposed to end at noon and we end at 12.05, man, we're already, if people are starting to look at their watches and they're going, oh man, I'm going to have a long line at lunch now and all that kind of stuff, right? So your audience is the same way. It, it, it's kind of funny the way that we we are about our time. Now, one of, the opposite of this, by the way, is true as well. So if you, what we tend to find is that presenters who finished even just a little bit earlier typically are liked more by their their audiences, uh, especially if the people in front of you have actually gone over time. And that's one of the things that we kind of find when we're doing keynote speeches and breakout sessions and, and things like that. There are times when we're given an allotted time and we have to stick to that just firmly. And, uh, and of course, the things that we're teaching in the Fearless Presentations classes really help you do that, help you hit an exact time frame, which is a very elite skill, by the way. People who can do that are, are seen as being really, really professional speakers. But there are other times when we're asked to speak, we might be the, you know, the fifth or sixth speaker. I might be the fifth or sixth speaker in a day. And the first few speakers might have been executives that, you know, they can't really give them the hook off the stage. And so they've gone a little longer. And I've had it on many occasions where event planners or f people that are organizing meetings will come up to me and say, hey, I know we said you were going to have you know, 55 minutes, but can you shrink it down to 45 just so we can kind of catch up? And I would say, yeah, sure, I can do that. Because of the way that I designed my speeches, it's much easier for me to hit that exact time frame. So the 10th most egregious thing that you can do to turn off an audience is going overtime without consent. The number nine is one that we don't focus a lot on in the class, and I'll kind of share with you why as we go, but it's what we call the filler words or the useless words. Now, I did a podcast on this a few weeks back about how to reduce the filler words, but one of the things that you want to keep in mind about, I always say filler words, but it's just fillers in general. So it could be the, the filler words, the ers, the ums, the you knows, that, that kind of thing, or sometimes it's just sounds that we make. In the English language, those filler words are kind of normal, and if they're not there, it's going to sound kind of weird. The problem occurs, though, when we get really nervous 
and we start doing those filler words too often. So they, they become kind of an annoyance. So we always say in class, we say that, that you know, to uh is human, but too many kind of spells confusion. So you really kind of want to kind of watch the, um, the, the filler words. One of the best ways to do that, by the way, is to become more confident presenting. If you're presenting on something or if you're presenting in a way to where you're feeling more nervous, those filler words are going to be more dramatic. And so that's one of the reasons why we don't cover it a lot in the fearless presentations class. We focus on treating the the cause of the filler words, which is the nervousness. So if you reduce the nervousness, the filler words tend to kind of go away. If you focus on the symptoms, whatever you focus on, you get more of. So you want to be very careful about trying to say er or um or your filler less often because most of the time it just reinforces it and you'll do that more often. So the filler words, though, the ninth most egregious thing that you can do to turn off an audience. Number eight is a monotone voice. So it's that the the best example of this is from the old uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off movie, the uh, the economics teacher who's teaching the class and Bueller Bueller Bueller. It's a monotone voice. He's he's not making any changes, and so if you if you see yourself or hear yourself kind of just reading something from a from bullet points or if you're having challenges with that that might be one of those things that you want to work on by the way that's listed as number eight but it's one of those things that it it doesn't happen the reason why it's listed at number eight is because it doesn't happen as often as what you might think it would but when it does happen it's really annoying it can really turn off the audience because the audience is kind of drew drowsy and droopy and falling to sleep and they're not really paying attention so that's one of those things that if this is something that you struggle with, it's definitely something that you want to work on and get better at because it can really hurt you and hurt your audience as well. Number seven is what we call shop talk. So this is industry-specific terms or complicated verbiage when when something way more simple will, will do. There are a couple of different situations where this will occur. In in some industries, we have our jargon and we have our verbiage that that is kind of normal to us, but people outside of the industry don't really know what the heck we're talking about. By the way, we do this here at at, at the Fearless Presentations office. A lot of times, Fearless Presentations is really long to say in some situations. So if we're talking to each other internally, sometimes we just say, hey, the FP class in Atlanta, instead of saying the Fearless Presentations class in Atlanta. So we typically do this kind of stuff normally when we're communicating with our coworkers, but when we're talking to somebody outside of our, our company, if I tell them, if I mention the FP class in Atlanta, they're not going to know what the heck I'm talking about. So you got to be very careful when you're communicating with people outside of your company, especially using the shop talk. I think one of the more egregious things or the, the more dangerous ways to use this is when we feel uncomfortable about the way that we present. And so as a result, we start using what I call the, I call them Harvard words. It's, it's the, we, we try to make ourselves sound more educated or prove how educated we are by using, you know, really complicated words when something way more simple will do. That really just shows a lack of confidence. So if you find yourself slipping into kind of going into long-winded explanations that are, that are really challenging and complicated for people to follow, that might be a symptom of nervousness, and that, that might be a good reason why you would come to a Fearless Presentations class or a Toastmasters or something like that that will help you kind of reduce that nervousness. 
Number six is the low energy delivery. And this goes right along with the monotone voice. But this is where the person doesn't actually move a whole lot around the room. And in fact, it's kind of normal in a lot of business presentations in today's world where somebody, the only movement that they make for the entire presentation is just their thumb moving on a clicker. They're just reading bullet points and clicking, 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 reading bullet points and clicking. I mean, the longer that you do that, the more you're going to turn off your audience. So the the really low energy delivery um, can, can be a challenge. Uh, just a quick little tip on that. A lot of times, one of the reasons why we will have that low energy delivery is, well, a few reasons anyway. One main reason is that a lot of times folks will want to be seated when they're presenting. That's going to suck a lot of your energy out. So if you're going to be presenting in front of more than one person or two people or three people, it's a good idea to just stand up when you give the presentation. You'll have more energy. Um, another thing that that you want to keep in mind is that your PowerPoint slideshow or your visual aid, that's not the presentation. You're the presentation. You're the person who's delivering the content. And so a lot of times, one of the things that folks will do is they will put their screen right in the middle of the room at the front of the room, and they'll stand at the back or they'll sit at the back with their laptop and, and just kind of click as they talk. That It doesn't matter how good of a presenter you are, there's a good chance your audience is going to see that as being a very low energy type delivery. So I'd be very, very careful about any of those things. Number five is repetitious or predictable gestures. And again, this is another symptom of nervousness. So when you reduce your nervousness, this will go away pretty dramatically. But that's where you're doing that same little nervous. It could be a it could be pacing back and forth or it could be sticking your hands in your pockets or it could be, uh, you know, kind of putting your hands in front of you in some weird way, whatever it is. But it's a lot of times when we do this, it's it, it's predictable. People will say, oh, He's going to do that thing with his hands one more time. And the more that we do that and become predictable, the the, the more annoying it can be for the audience. So be very, very careful about that as well. One of the easiest ways to eliminate that, by the way, is to get into more examples or stories. A lot of times we communicate more effectively with our hands. We use better gestures or, or more purposeful gestures when we're explaining something from our own experience. As we speak, we kind of use our hands to communicate and that'll make your your gestures less predictable, less repetitious. Number four is poor eye contact. And I got to say, this is one of those things that we we tend to think of as being really big. And, and we have it listed at number four just because when surveys go out and they say, hey, what are some of the things that turn you off? This is, this is one of the things that comes up most often. The thing that we kind of find after doing public speaking training for years and years and years and years now, for me, a couple of decades now, is that I find it very rare that people don't have fairly decent eye contact with their audience, especially, like I said in the previous one, if you're giving examples and stories, it's almost impossible not to look people in your audience in the eye. Now, where this can become a little bit more challenging is when you're in a much bigger group. So the bigger the group gets, the more difficult it is to kind of find a single person and make eye contact. But after you've kind of get a habit of speaking in front of bigger groups that will kind of come more naturally as well. So even though this is one that can be very annoying, it's one that you can fix really quickly. And if you're having trouble with this, make sure and get some help with um, going to a class or getting some coaching or something like that, because, because it's one of those things that can really 
turn off the audience, but it's a really, really simple thing to fix if you if you get a professional to help you. The third biggest sin or biggest deadly, you know, the, the third deadly sin is speaking while the audience is trying to read your slide. And this most of the time will happen as a result of putting a lot of content on your slide and then not referring to it. So let's say, for instance, we've got 10 bullet points and we just kind of show those bullet points up, but we don't kind of go through it with our audience. Instead, we start saying something different. We're giving additional explanation than what's actually up on the slide. So people are trying to read your slide while you're saying something different and it it creates a disconnect. It becomes confusing for folks. So one of the techniques that we teach folks to do in our classes is anytime we're, we are using a visual aid, we want to call attention to that visual aid, basically read it to them, you know, make it really short and sweet and easy so we can read it to the audience and then add your additional content and then your additional content will really come to life. And it's a simple thing to do when you get some practice with it. So, uh, but avoid speaking, you know, basically let your audience read your visual aid before you, you get them off track doing something else. The second biggest thing that you can do to turn off an audience is to read a long series of bullet points to the audience without a whole lot of additional information. This kind of goes back to some of the ones that we've talked about before with the low energy delivery and monotone voice. A lot of times these things are caused by the same exact thing. It's where we, we've created a, a visual aid in a way to where we're trying to make sure that we don't forget something. And so we're nervous because we, we know that when I know that when I get up in front of a group, I'm going to forget a lot of my content. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put a bullet point for every single thing that I'm going to cover in the presentation. And the challenge with that, though, is that, it, you know, even if we're just reading and clicking and then giving them a story or example or something even more interesting, if that's all we're doing is is just kind of reading what's on our, our bullet points, it's going to be very challenging. And a lot of times the people in the audience kind of think of it as being adolescent. You know, they, they think of it as being amateurish. So, so that's one of the things that you really, really want to avoid. And the number one thing that you can do to turn off an audience, and this is the really, really big one, is what they call data dumping. That's where we're giving too much information or too many slides too many bullet points, there's just too much content, and it's confusing to the audience. And the, the analogy I like to use for this is it's kind of like, you know, when, when we are designing our presentations, a lot of times what we'll do is we'll start with the visual aid. We'll actually start with the PowerPoint slideshow, and we'll just start typing. We'll start creating bullet point after bullet point after bullet point, and slide after slide after slide. And then we'll look at it, and we'll have like, oh, man, I got like, 142 slides now. I have to trim this down. So we'll start cutting stuff out. It becomes a real Swiss cheese kind of presentation that doesn't really have a whole lot of flow. And a good analogy here is it's kind of like having a, um, it's like, it's kind of like if you're, if you're doing like a, a coloring book or something like that when you're a kid and you just open up the coloring book and there's no lines in it. You know, it's like, there's no structure here. There's nothing to, to, to kind of give as a guide. So you're gonna end up with a lot of different types of presentations that can be pretty challenging. So be very careful about what they call data dumping. 